Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Jessica, famous last words. Remember when I said in our last episode that it would be two surely slow news weeks when we took off for our other work projects? Well, could not have been more wrong. Listeners, we're going to dig into all of it in this episode, but it is great to be back with you, Jessica, and back with you listeners. After two weeks away, we were not vacationing. We were both working. I was on a work trip to New York City. Jessica had a huge work event. So, so much has happened in the royal family in the meantime. So how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. And thank you so much to our listeners for being patient with us the past few weeks. I know I have been super quiet on Instagram and we've missed some of the news updates on the pod with, you know, Rachel and I both being quite, quite busy. We had a really demanding couple of weeks and I just wasn't able to be present online like I normally am, but I'm super glad to be back. And Rachel, we did have a conversation offline about the stories this week, but I know so much has happened. We won't really be able to cover everything, but I think in this episode, we are going to hit all the high points. And if there's anything that we need to go back, you know, next week and maybe dig in a little bit deeper and have more conversation on, we'll definitely be sure to -hmm. do that. Um, And then, you know, in keeping with our busy schedule, heads up to listeners, I will actually be at the beach this time next week. Um, So Rachel and I are going to work on um, trying to align our schedules. I know you'll be traveling a little bit too. So Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll still right now plan on having an episode. It may not come out at the exact time it normally does, but, um, but we'll, we'll work on getting something out. Yeah. Well, we will do, we will work it out somehow. Well, how are you, Rachel? I'm good. The New York trip was really, really great. It was, we had, so I met Marie Claire listeners as I think I'm sure, you know, and we had an offsite kind of team building team development. And it was really great to be with all of my colleagues in person. And uh, my boyfriend got to join me. It was his first trip to New York city and he enjoyed it and then came back and it's just been whirlwind ever since I've kind of been between Birmingham, which is where I live, of course, for 11 years. And now I live in Florida. And so we're officially doing the complete and full move next week. So that will be a huge weight lifted. I think like you, it's just a lot going on. It's just, it's, it's a lot of work stuff. It's a lot of life stuff, but, um, but all, all good, all good, all told. So I am, I'm doing well. It's really good to be back. Well, before we jump into the episode, We have gotten so many kind reviews recently on Apple Podcasts, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of them today, but I did want to share one of the reviews that we got from Novice Player, and it says, I have been listening to this podcast for a few years, and I love it so much. The hosts, Rachel and Jessica, are so genuine and real and just a joy to listen to. I also appreciate how kind they always are and how they steer away from gossip, and they are accessible and love to answer listener questions, which is so helpful and fun. I listen to a number of Royal podcasts, but this one has definitely become my favorite. Oh, that's so sweet. 
Yeah, thank you so much for that review. They always mean a lot, uh, but for some reason that one really touched me. So I appreciate that you've been joining us for a few years now, and I can tell you put a lot of thought into your kind words. So listeners, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts as always. It really does help others find the show, and it's a big reason why we're able to keep doing this because it helps us measure growth and engagement, and so we, we really do appreciate that. Yes, and we actually got quite a few really kind reviews since the last episode. So thank you so much. It really it really does make our day. So thank you. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the Royal Rundown. Um, before we get into the news stories of the week, we do have a few Royal birthdays that have come out since our last episode. So I'm going to start out with one right off the top here. Princess Eugenie's son, August, turned three years old on February 9th. I know. Time goes by so fast. No kidding. She actually posted some photos on her Instagram account, which felt like a very normal mom and baby kind of photo drop to me. Uh, They were candid pictures, so not your typical styled portraits that we get from our royals. And I really loved it. So in one of them, she and Augie, as she calls him, they're sitting on the ground in front of a brick wall with their coats and boots and their beanie hats. And August is wearing a helmet. So I don't know if they were out maybe riding bicycles or something that day, but it was really cute. And then in another photo, they must have been at some type of outdoor market or fair or something. Eugenie has a hot dog in one hand and she's leaning over, giving August a little kiss on the lips. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the last photo, she's holding both boys, Augie and Ernie, and what looks like Maybe just the slow morning at home in their pajamas. So both of the boys' backs are to the camera. She's smiling. And then I have to assume Jack is holding the camera on the other end. So happy birthday to August. Happy birthday, August. I'm glad we started with some good and happy news because a lot of the news these past couple of weeks has been kind of dark. So thank you for thank you for starting it out on a on a lighter note. And now we're gonna kind of get into the the heavier stuff. So listeners, we do not have to tell you at this point that by far and away, the biggest news item of the last two weeks is that King Charles was diagnosed with a still undisclosed type of cancer. So we're not gonna regurgitate the news headlines to you. As I just told Jessica before we started recording, we're not gonna break any news here about this. You've already heard all about this, but I, I know you didn't miss it, but When the king went in for his corrective procedure for the enlarged prostate on January 26th, cancer was detected. It is not prostate cancer. The palace was uh, quick to confirm. And the announcement of it was made on February 5th, which was the same day he began outpatient treatment in London. So the next day, Prince Harry visited him at Clarence House though briefly. And then the King and Queen flew out to Sandringham. They're kind of going back and forth right now between Sandringham and London, which is where Charles is getting his treatment. So he'll come into the city for treatment and then they'll go out to Sandringham for um, probably just for R&R and recuperation. And uh, they had been, Camilla and Charles had been at Sandringham the weekend prior. And I guess that's where they're choosing to go for the king to recuperate from treatment, which of course is is very demanding on the body. So as I said a minute ago, we don't know the type of cancer. We might not know the type of cancer, who knows? But we, as I said, we do know it's not prostate cancer as one might surmise from the procedure that he had on January 26th. We also don't know the stage of the cancer. So UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said that the cancer has been caught early 
for which of course we're grateful. And the king has paused all duties for the moment as well he should, but he is not currently employing his counselors of state and he is going to remain as head of state. So in the aftermath of this announcement, a new portrait of the king was released, I think the day of or the day after his diagnosis was announced. And then on February 10th, which was that next Saturday, the king released a statement from Buckingham Palace thanking the public for their concern and well wishes, which of course we from Podcast Royal send as well. So where were you at when you found out the news on that Monday, February 5th? Goodness, Rachel, I have been so consumed with work engagements the past few weeks. I'm not exactly sure where I was or what I was doing, but I know I was probably working. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe it was a Monday and I do remember seeing the news headlines and I actually shared the announcement from Buckingham Palace on our Instagram story, I think pretty shortly after it was published. And, you know, I remember when I was posting that, I thought back to when you were talking in our last episode about the seriousness of a cancer diagnosis in light of Fergie's announcement. Mm-hmm. And I just recall feeling a lot of sympathy for the royal family in this season. It was quite a jarring announcement following not only Fergie, but the King's prostate procedure and, of course, the Princess of Wales abdominal surgery. It's just a lot to process for any individual or family. And then you think about adding in, you know, just being in the public spotlight and that obligation to share to some extent your health status. Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough. And I, I do think the royal family has navigated it well from my perspective. I think they've done a good job sharing the need to know information mm-hmm. in a timely manner while still finding a way to respect their own privacy regarding some of those details that they may still be processing themselves and, and not ready to share. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I, of course, like the rest of us wondered why they weren't saying they don't, not even necessarily the stage, but the type of cancer. And, you know, if, if they did do that, then all of us would be Googling, you know, well, what's the prognosis for X, Y, Z cancer. And we would just be armchair doctoring. And that's not, that's just not healthy for anybody. And, you know, I think, I think actually, as much as I am interested and would like to know his stage and what type of cancer, I think they're absolutely doing the right thing by, by keeping it to them because it's, it's very personal and yes, he serves in a very public role, but it's a very personal diagnosis. And, you know, again, not that it's a competition, but of the three, meaning the princess of Wales, the duchess of York and the King, I thought like we all probably did that the King's diagnosis was the least severe, right? That it was just a benign corrective procedure for an enlarged prostate, nothing to worry about. And now that has changed. And again, we're hearing that it was caught early. Thank goodness for that. And the prognosis looks good, but cancer is still cancer and it's terrifying. And, uh, so the King is, is recovering and is going through treatment and, I hope, I pray he's, you know, he's a workaholic. So I pray that he is taking the time that he needs to truly rest his body. But um, simultaneously, the Princess of Wales continues to recover, as does the Duchess of York. So this last month of royal health scares has left many, if not all of our heads spinning. Can you believe that it's still, well, I guess it, yeah, it just passed a month since all of this began on January 17th. So we're recording this on the 20th. So it's, it's just been a heck of a month. And 
I don't know if anybody's head is probably spinning more than Prince William, who returned to work on February 7th. He did an investiture at Windsor Castle, and then he did an appearance at the London Air Ambulance Gala. Tom Cruise was a surprise guest, and in his speech at the event, William addressed the health scares publicly for the first time. He has addressed it a couple times since, including at the BAFTAs this past Sunday, but he said of the messages of support and love that it means a great deal to us all. So William is just facing so much pressure right now. His father has cancer. His wife has just had major surgery. He has three children, 10 years old and younger. He's trying to balance his work. So what are your thoughts on William and, and where William's at emotionally and mentally? Yeah, I liked the way Prince William acknowledged the, I guess, the status of the health of his family. Uh, You know, I mean, it was the elephant in the room. And so I think he kind of had to address it in some way. And I thought he handled it well with that little joke at the, I think it was at the gala, Um, because it's a way to ease the minds of the public who are probably really worried, especially about the Princess of Wales. We haven't gotten a ton of updates um, from her. And You know, I think if William can attend an engagement and talk about it in a somewhat lighthearted way, it can be really reassuring. Mm -hmm. And I've also been thinking about the Prince uh, of Wales a lot recently with all of the events. I feel like he is stretched so thin right now. And like you said, feeling so much stress balancing family and work. But I did hear some good news this week, Rachel. I don't know if you saw this. And some of the media outlets, um, they were reporting that the Wales family, including Catherine, actually left Adelaide Cottage to spend some time together at their home in Anmore Hall in Norfolk. So I'm really glad to hear that. It sounds like her recovery is going well. And like you said, she's a month out now. So I really am hoping she's on the up and up. Yeah, I actually thought the same thing. I thought the fact that she left the home it was a great sign. You know, if, if she was, if she was not doing well, that I don't think that would have happened. So I think that's, I think that's great. And as I mentioned a second ago, William was at the BAFTA solo on Sunday. Um, by the way, before we move on, the Earthshot prize has announced its fourth location for its award ceremony. It will be in Cape town, South Africa in November, which South Africa is on my top 10 travel list. So Maybe I can finagle some way to go. Who knows? But um, I think that's something to really look forward to. Yeah, it definitely is. And I do hope this year Catherine will be able to join William for that. I think it would be fun to watch along, even if if we aren't able to attend. Uh, But I want to say back to the BAFTAs for a second. William looked great. I loved his velvet touch jacket. Yeah, he looked he looked great. He looked he seemed in good spirits. He was laughing. He was joking. And so, I mean, that that was a good sign for me as well. He I know he referenced Barbenheimer, which I thought was funny. He said he had seen Oppenheimer, has yet to see the Barbie movie. And I have to admit, unfortunately, I have yet to see either. So Um, yeah, it's been on my, especially Barbie movie was on my to-do list, but, uh, you know, I just, well, Oppenheimer down and yes, Oppenheimer is on Peacock as of last week. And I think Barbie's on HBO max. So make that a priority. Now you're going to have to set aside some time because Oppenheimer is like three hours long, but it's worth it. It's good. Yeah. I'm definitely going to definitely have to watch Barbie first. (laughs) Yeah. Barbie. Well, Barbie's not lighthearted, just forewarning you it's not it, it's it's heavy as well but not in the same not not like Oppenheimer but it's yeah still, it's still pretty heavy 
Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I feel like I've seen it as much as I've heard about it. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so while we're chatting about Prince William, I do want to mention the latest update in his efforts to tackle homelessness. So it was announced earlier this week that he is planning to build 24 new homes for people in Cornwall who are in need of housing. So I know listeners probably remember his Homewards project he launched last year. That's where he shared his plan to address the really serious homelessness issue in the UK. And as part of that plan, the housing project um, will cost, I think it was 3 million pounds or 4 million US dollars to complete. And he's actually giving land from the Duchy of Cornwall and some of the services required to complete the project, um, like, you know, design project management, he's going to help cover funds for some of that. So as of right now, they're expecting to begin building in September and the houses will be ready for occupants by the following autumn in 2025. So Rachel, I got to ask you, what do you think about this plan? And do you think that building these homes in Cornwall is part of the solution to tackling this issue? Well, I actually just heard about this today, Tuesday, and I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think that it is really pretty brilliant and I really appreciate how William is proving himself to be a person of action, um, you know, not just words and he's stepping up and he's, I, and I think you just said this, but I think 24 homes are, are going to be built, which is, you know, 24 homes that weren't there before. And so I think, I, I, I smiled when I read this today because I think that this is his pet cause. This is his passion project. And that's got to feel like it, in, in health scares, you have so little control, especially with cancer where, you know, you can do the best you can, but um, you still don't have total control over the situation. I bet that he feels in this, in this moment that he has some control over making a positive difference. And I bet that's got to feel really good for him in the midst of all of this storm that he's going through. So I think it's great. Yeah, I definitely agree with your comments on him being someone of action. Um, I love how he's passionate about this and there's not only a plan to break ground, but a plan for completion. And it's not that far away. I mean, a, a year to build 24 houses, that's great. Um, I do remember this Homewards project, I think was mirrored after a similar plan put into place in Finland. Um, and I need to do more reading on both of these plans. But I think when I was looking at the one in Finland, it was talking about how they were providing housing for homeless regardless of their circumstances. So I would be interested um, as this project continues to know what is going on as far as, um, you know, not only providing shelter for someone in need, but maybe an ongoing plan to help them regain independence and, mm -hmm. um, you know, get to a place where they're able to afford their own home or um, have have some sort of financial independence um, in the future. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, before we move on to our next topic, this is another kind of late breaking story as of today. So I don't have a whole lot on it. And we may circle back to this one next week. But um, the Office of the Prince and Princess of Wales shared a new statement from Prince William today regarding the conflict in the Middle East. I'm not going to read the full statement for the sake of time, but he did say, Prince William said, 
I, like so many others, want to see an end to the fighting as soon as possible. There is a desperate need for increased humanitarian support to Gaza. And he goes on to say, sometimes it's only when faced with the sheer scale of human suffering that the importance of permanent peace is brought home. I continue to cling to the hope that a brighter future can be found, and I refuse to give up on that. So Prince William actually visited the Red Cross today, the British Red Cross, to learn more about what that organization is doing to provide assistance to those in need as a result of the conflict in the Middle East. And this is actually one of two visits that he's going to be doing related to this issue. So like I said, more on that to come. Um, I, I wanted to go ahead and touch on it, but it looks like he's got some more uh, engagements going on related to this. You know what? I'm really excited for William to be king. I'm not ready for him to be king anytime. I don't think William's ready to be king. The 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 king, Charles, uh, he needs he he needs to have a much more full reign than just a year and a half. And we're not even going to think about that. But I just am really impressed with William. I really am. As a as a man and as a future monarch. You I, know what I I, yeah. I like to hear, I like when we get statements from from him and and Catherine. I think it's a lot of times people in these roles can release statements that are sort of general. Um, they, you know, and, and they feel like someone kind of wrote it for them. Mm -hmm. But when we hear from Prince William, it always feels very personal, doesn't it? It, it feels does. like it's something that he actually wrote and put thought into. Yeah. And it's not your run of the mill media speak, right? right. It, it really feels from the heart. Like the, like that statement that you just read feels very much from the heart. I think that we are in really good hands in the future with William. Again, nobody's ready for that. But when the time comes, in the fullness of time, as Queen Elizabeth said, he he's going to be fantastic. He already is as Prince of Wales. So, all right, this is a very, very hard <laughs> right turn um, from, from Gaza to a new royal movie coming out. We have a release date and a trailer for the Netflix movie Scoop, which I'm super excited to see. The movie is about the disastrous, you know, underscore, underscore, underscore BBC Newsnight interview that Prince Andrew took part in back in November 2019, the interview where he spoke about his connection to convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. I think the movie looks so, so good. It will be on Netflix on April 5th. Jillian Anderson plays Emily Maitlis, who interviewed Andrew, and Rufus Sewell plays Andrew himself, and this interview, the, the actual Newsnight interview back in 2019, marked the beginning of the end of Andrew's royal life. And I know I'll definitely be watching. I've already got it saved and a reminder on my Netflix. So what do you think? Will you be watching? <laughs> okay. So I haven't seen the trailer for this yet, but that might help me make my decision. But my current reaction is that first, you know, if it really sounds like my kind of movie, you know, I'm a rom-com girl. I'm actually currently rewatching Emily in Paris, not to get too lighthearted here, but I don't know if I'm missing something with this movie, but I was trying to understand what the point was. So it's not a documentary. It's, it's fiction based on real events, which felt very similar to The Crown to me. And so I guess where I landed on this is I'm unsure how I feel about it because 
wouldn't it be confusing to people when we start mixing up the truth with the fictional parts when we're talking about this story? And maybe and this is maybe I'm missing something here, but I just feel like a film like this, I would prefer to be a documentary. I would like an inside well, that exists as well. That's on Peacock if you want to check that out. But yeah, I hear but you. I just feel like, you know, having that documentary rather than a dramatized version would make more sense to me. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one, Rachel. Well, I, as you said that, I thought of what Peter Morgan said. Peter Morgan is the creator of The Crown. And he said that he wouldn't write about anything until 20 years had passed because, you know, when things are so recent, like that happened just over four years ago in November of 2019, you know, time shapes things, right? Like something can look one way right after it happens, but then, you know, history can happen, time can happen. And then you look at things in a different way. So it, I mean, I, first of all, I'm super excited for this movie. I will gobble it up, but, um, cause I love movies based off of real events or shows based off of real events, but I do think it's, you know, it, it just hasn't been a lot of time since, mm-hmm. since it happened. And, um, and, but I, of course I'll be watching. So, um, I'll, if, if you, I'll probably be watching on the day it comes out. And I actually just got an email today that I might get a screener for it. So I'm super excited about that. I will let you know how it is. Okay. Yeah, definitely do. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I might be missing something there, but I was just afraid it may cause confusion. So. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it could. It could, depending on how they handle it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, while we were away from the podcast, we had a lot of big events occur in the U.S., including the Super Bowl and the Grammys. And I know we don't typically talk about that kind of stuff, and especially Taylor Swift um, (laughs) on the podcast, but all eyes have been on her lately. And she actually surprised us with a fashion moment that I have to imagine was inspired by the Princess of Wales. So I don't know if you saw her outfit, Rachel. Oh, yeah. She was oh, on the yeah. Grammys red carpet. I, wrote, okay. I actually wrote a story about how similar she looked to Kate. Well, I cannot think that this was pure coincidence. So she stepped out in this floor-length white dress by Elza Scaparelli with a full skirt and long black opera gloves. And her outfit took me straight back to the Princess of Wales Alexander McQueen white dress at the BAFTAs last year that she had paired with black opera gloves. And I did include a photo in our notes for you, Rachel, just in case you hadn't seen it. But I mean, I love the resemblance. What do you think? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I I don't, I can't say if Taylor took direct inspiration from the Princess of Wales, but I mean, the looks are strikingly similar and that BAFTAs um that's the bum pat BAFTAs <laughs> I wish we mm-hmm. were having bum pats at the BAFTAs again we we will again soon but yeah I mean both women look gorgeous there's enough differentiation like Taylor's got quite a bit of leg that uh that Kate doesn't have but I mean both looks are gorgeous and yeah I mean they're they're totally totally similar for sure no way to no way to deny that well, I'm guessing this is uh, maybe a trend that they're starting. So I wonder if we'll see more of it. 
I, I still don't know how I feel about opera gloves, but they're, they're dramatic. The black and white mm-hmm. with the really long gloves. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. a statement. Yeah. Margot Robbie had opera gloves at the BAFTAs on Sunday. So I, I don't know how I feel about them, but nobody's asking me. So, okay. We have so much Sussex news. I feel like we are just on the cusp of a rebrand. I feel like I've said that many times. I felt like it was coming, it was coming, it was coming, and now we're here. We'll get into all of it, but let's start here. So Harry had yet another wild burst of travel. He's, again, I say about the Sussexes, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? You never really know where Harry or Meghan are going to pop up next. So Harry, as I kind of mentioned earlier, flew overnight from February 5th to February 6th from LAX to London. He actually was in the Windsor suite. Remember when we talked about the Windsor suite at Heathrow? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you got lucky to be pay your, what is it? $4,000 to be in the <laughs> Windsor suite. You got really lucky on that day. But anyways, um, so he was only in the UK for maybe 25 hours. He saw his father for only about 30 to 45 minutes. And then he flew back to the US and he landed at LAX on February 7th. So that's, that's a heck of, that's a heck of a journey. Yeah, there was a lot of chatter online about how short the trip was, and it was quite a whirlwind. But that was not all. So then on February 8th, which was Thursday, he was a surprise presenter at the NFL Honors in Las Vegas ahead of the Super Bowl. So not definitely not as dramatic of a travel from LA to Las Vegas, but still, that's a lot. Well, and speaking of, I don't know about you, but I was fully expecting to see Harry Me and Meghan too. at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, wasn't it last year they were there with Princess Eugenie? It was 2022, I think. But yeah. 20, okay. So, you know, with him being at the NFL Honors, I thought we would definitely see at least him at the game. And so I was like, man, because there were so many celebrities there this year. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, did you watch the game? I did. Well, first of all, I'm from the Kansas City area originally. So the Chiefs were not this good when I was growing up. I'm just saying, um, <laughs> but but they're great now. And uh, yeah, and I also was covering it because we were we would never cover the Super Bowl except for Taylor Swift. And so because of her, we we covered it, you know, top to bottom. So, yeah, go Chiefs. I'm, I can't I can't claim that I'm a huge Chiefs fan because I'm kind of like a bandwagon Chiefs fan. But I, my family did used to have season tickets. So I have that bit of credit but this was like in 1995 but still (laughs) um so then okay so we're not even done with all the travel so harry and went to canada from february 14th through 16th for the invictus games one year to go event the games of course are next in vancouver and whistler canada in 2025 yeah and i saw that he did an interview for good morning america to promote Mm -hmm. next year's event too so he's just like super busy Yeah. And he talked about, you know, that he loved his family and he talked about the possibility of becoming a U.S. citizen. Um, The Canada Games, by the way, will be the first to feature winter sports. And then, of course, you know, we saw Harry doing, oh, God, what is it called? The skeleton, I think. Like, it just looked. And they asked Megan, the press asked Megan if she was going to do it. And she said, no way. So and I don't blame her. I wouldn't do it either. And so Harry was all over the place. I really loved, um, as I always do, I love seeing Harry and Megan at all things Invictus. I feel like that's where they're in their sweet spot. And so Harry, um, speaking of Harry, has also settled his case with Mirror Group newspapers, receiving what his lawyer called a substantial settlement. So Mirror Group newspapers will also pay around $500,000 for Harry's legal fees. And This was a bit under the radar, although now it's not anymore because it's really kind of blown up. But while we were away, Harry and Meghan kind of 
quietly launched a new website, sussex.com. It's not really a new website. It's just a revamp of, of the old Archwell website, which as I've said before, feels like the beginning of a huge rebrand. Yeah. And that's what I, I wanted to clarify when you said, uh, re there they launched a new website it's not a new additional website mm -hmm. it's replacing the previous archwell website so on their new site they've got an about page for megan one for harry there's a news page and then there are the links to the archwell foundation and archwell productions yes that's right and you know they're really leaning into through this rebrand the sussex name so we learned that Archie and Lily are going by Sussex as their surname instead of Mountbatten-Windsor as they did when they were originally born. And then um, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex is all over this website. Of course, it's called Sussex.com. So also in line with this rebrand, which I think is going to continue to roll out over the coming weeks and months, Megan announced last week, I, can't, I have to be honest with you, I was not expecting this, but I'm really excited about it, that she is joining us again in the podcasting space. So we don't have any details on what the podcast is about specifically or when we can expect it. But Megan has, after she left Spotify last year, signed with Lemonada Media. And in addition to a new show, Archetypes, which was her Spotify podcast, will now be available to stream not just on Spotify, but on all podcast platforms. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So said it once, I've said it a million times. I think this is the beginning of a lot of announcements on specifically the Megan front, probably the Harry front too, but definitely the Megan front. You know, I was actually quite surprised that the Spotify agreement didn't require archetypes to remain permanently exclusive to yeah. their platform. I mean, don't you think that's surprising as much money as they paid to have that podcast produced and streamed? I mean, I would have expected the contract to give Spotify full ownership of archetypes, even after they ended their relationship. I mean, I would have thought that for the millions they paid, mm -hmm. they would be restricted, um, where, you know, archetypes could only be played on Spotify forever, but I guess, yeah, I guess that's I, not the case. Yeah. I would, I would have thought so as well, but maybe they just, you know, wanted to just fully dissolve the agreement and just everybody move on with their lives. I don't know, but I, I have to say, I'm pretty excited about Megan being back in the podcasting space just because I'm such a fan of podcasts. And so I I'm really excited to see what this one's going to be about. So I want to close the whirlwind of a Royal Rundown with a brief shout out to Queen Camilla, who is truly meeting the moment with grace and dignity. You all know, Jessica, you know, listeners, you know, had a bit of a complicated relationship with Queen Camilla over the years, you know, but I, I have to say that she is the right person at the right time for this moment. And I'm so thankful that the King has her. And they really have such an enduring love story. Of course, she was universally despised at one point, but she's truly proven herself as the consort that Charles has always needed. He should have married her from the beginning, although then we wouldn't have William and Harry and on and on and on. So everything happens as it should. But I'm just glad that she is there now. And this has all especially been displayed in light of his health news. She's the right person for him, period, the end. And a poignant example of this is on February 8th, this story really touched me. The queen drove for six hours by car to attend an engagement after her helicopter was grounded because of inclement weather, making it impossible to fly to Southern England from Sandringham, which is where she was with the king. 
So the telegraph called the trip one hell of a journey, quote unquote. So keep in mind, she's in a car for six hours in this inclement weather that's bad enough that to ground her flight. But she did so because as the telegraph reports, she did not want to let down the king. So I think I think that kind of resilience should be applauded. And in addition to being a warm and funny person, she's a get it done person and just, you know, buckle up and do it and I truly think she is the best consort possible for the king. And I'm so glad they have each other. I'm glad you mentioned that. And that is a lot for her. I mean, a six hour car drive is a lot for anyone, but she is 76 years old. She's doing an incredible job, I think, engaging with the public and keeping a positive face during, you know, I mean, kind of an emotional time for her personally and her family. And okay, Rachel, you know what I was wondering when Mm. you were, when you were giving that story? Mm Mm-hmm. We often see the royals traveling to engagements by helicopter, like you said, occasionally by train. We really don't see them travel long distances by car when they're going to an engagement. So (laughs) what happens if you are a princess or a queen and you have to stop to use the restroom? I mean, you cannot just ask your driver to pull into (laughs) McDonald's, uh, you know, on your trip. And I personally don't think I could hold it for six hours. (laughs) Well, I did write a story once about how when Charlotte was I think she was young, like two, um, Kate and Charlotte popped into a pub in London because she had to go, Charlotte had to go to the bathroom. And like when it, you know, a two-year-old does not care whether you're the prince or what, I guess the Duchess of Cambridge at the time or who you are, you got, when you got to go, you got to go, you're two years old. So they just popped into the pub. The security, the security team did a quick sweep before they came in, they came in, they did their business and they left and everybody in the pub was like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great point. I don't know. I mean, you hold it until you can't hold it. And then I guess you go into a pub. Who knows? Well, that's a lot for a two-year-old. You know, at that point, she's probably, Catherine's probably like really serious on the potty training front. Like we have to <laughs> make it to a restroom. And <laughs> so, yes. I mean, I like I, yeah, I think it was one of those situations where she was at that age where she's coming out of diapers and like, she probably didn't have one. And it's like, we got to get there fast. So yeah. Well, I like, I like to know that they'll just pull right into the pub. So, you know, I mean, I would definitely do that too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, okay. Just following up with, you were talking about Queen Camilla. So I wanted to mention an engagement that she did today. That was the best engagement or maybe the perfect engagement today (laughs) because it involved puppy dogs. So, uh, you know, I can't leave a story out that involves puppy dogs, but The queen invited training dogs and their human representatives of the Medical Alert Assistance Dogs, which is an organization that trains service dogs to help people with critical health needs like diabetes or severe allergies and other medical conditions. And the dogs are actually trained to detect health dangers like cancer, COVID, bacterial infections, other life-threatening conditions to help prevent hospital admission And I just find it fascinating that a dog can be trained to do that and that their senses are that good. I mean, look, I already knew they made perfect family members, but Mm -hmm. just to think that, you know, they can truly save lives like that is so incredible. And, you know, just another reason they are called man's best friend. Yeah, dogs are the best. So cool, very cool engagement. And that's exactly the kind of engagement I would love to do if I were a royal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep, totally. 
Well, that wraps up Royal Rundown. And we actually have some listener Q&A today. We've got awesome. kind, of a, kind of a big Q to, to discuss. So we have a question from Tina. I'm glad I remembered to put this in here because I told her I would, but a lot has happened since she DM'd mm-hmm. us on Instagram. But she had asked us about the famous red boxes that we hear about our monarchs working from a lot. And I thought it was good timing because we actually just recently following Charles' diagnosis, it was mentioned that he'll continue to work from home and receive his red box of important documents. So I'm going to read her question. Tina says, hello, fabulous ladies of Podcast Royal. And I'll skip past her intro and, and go right into it. She says, I have a few questions that I'd love to hear you address on your show if you two find them interesting. The first is to know what exactly is in those famous red boxes that monarchs always are committed to. I know it's important government business of some sort, but are they items that the monarch has to review and be up to speed on, or do they need to take some action on it? I've always been so curious to know how much they really need to do with the materials in those boxes. And then she had a follow-up question. She said, my second question is, what is Queen Camilla to be called if she lives longer than Charles. In the past, we've often had queen mums, but that is certainly not the case with Camilla. Probably no one knows yet since it's a completely new and modern situation, but I'm curious for your thoughts and thank you again for all the joy you bring to me each week. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's start with the red boxes. I know if you've watched The Crown, you've seen images of these. And if you're a royal follower, you've probably seen real photos of Queen Elizabeth in the past sitting in her office with a red box full of papers. And to me, they kind of look like an old-fashioned wooden suitcase with a little Mm -hmm. handle on top. And, you know, they sit on the table and open up a lot like a lunchbox. But unfortunately, they don't have sandwiches and apples in them, (laughs) only paper. So we have talked about the red boxes on the pod before, but Rachel, I could not remember the episode that it was. It was a very long time ago. So we'll just kind of start at the top again. But um, the official name of the red box is the Dispatch Box. They are actually made by Barrow, Hepburn, and Gale, which is a British luxury leather goods company. And I think of the boxes as being sort of like a hand-delivered mailbox for the monarch. So Mm -hmm. someone sorted through the mail. They're giving you what you need to know. No junk mail. And according to the Boxmakers website, the term dispatch actually refers to important communication for the monarch. So these boxes came to be about because the monarch would have really important pieces of information that might have been confidential or not to be viewed by just anyone. And so they needed a place to, to, to secure that mail and have it delivered safely. So Tina, you are correct. The boxes contain various government papers, work that needs to be completed by the king. Um, it may be documents that need to be signed, could be general information he just needs to be aware of. Um, may also include details about upcoming engagements or meetings that he needs to prepare for. So it is really all of the above. Um, Some things he does need to take action on. Some things are more informatory. Um, To signify the importance of the information in the red box, there is the monarch cipher on the box. And another fun fact, there's not just one box. So Charles doesn't have to go into his office at Buckingham Palace and and get his red box delivered to him. They actually have several of these and they'll go along with him when he's traveling on the road so he can continue to keep his work close by. And now that I'm explaining this, I 
I think I called it like a suitcase. I guess it's more like a really fancy briefcase. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So there you go, Tina. Now let's talk briefly about Queen Camilla. You asked us what she may be called if she finds herself in the role of dowager queen. So a dowager queen is a queen consort whose husband, the king, is no longer living. And as you mentioned, Tina, um, another title for this is queen mother. I do think it's safe to say that Camilla could very well be called queen dowager if she were ever in the position of being widowed. Mm -hmm. Because she's not the mother of Prince William, it's very unlikely she would be given the title Queen Mother. Yeah, no chance Um, on that. No chance. Right. Yeah. So the Queen Dowager, actually, this title, just for a brief history lesson, goes back to Queen Adelaide, who is the wife of King William IV. So they had no children. And when he passed, it just didn't make sense for her to be called Queen Mother. So she took on that title of queen dowager and as a side note for reference um since they didn't have children their niece took over the throne and their niece was actually queen victoria so oh, wow wow yeah pretty cool yeah so as of now no official statement has been made by the palace as to what camilla would be called or what Charles' wishes are in that event. So we really don't know for certain. Um, You may remember following Queen Elizabeth's death, we saw the palace begin referring to her as Queen Camilla rather than Queen Consort Camilla. Um, Really, we kind of all expected she would go by Queen Consort Camilla. So I think that means really anything could happen. But the most reasonable presumption is that she would take the title Queen Dowager. I am 100% in agreement with you on this. I am almost 100% confident that that is what will happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question and gives you some fun facts to share at maybe at dinner sometime too with your friends. Good questions, (laughs) Tina. Good questions. So let's move into Royals Around the World. So um, really quick late ad. So I know I mentioned and a, a couple episodes ago that Queen Margrethe is getting her own kind of the crown-esque show. Well, actually, Queen Maxima is as well. Very new development that she's getting a six-part series about her life as well. So we'll, of course, keep you updated on that. But it, it is in production. So yeah, someone, kind of uh, someone sent a link to that to us on Instagram, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. I, I'll, I can't wait for all of this stuff. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. So um, I want to briefly mention... That since our last episode, we learned that Monaco Charlotte Kazrahi is separating from her husband of four years, Dimitri Rossum. And I hate to hear that, of course. So Charlotte is the daughter of Princess Caroline. She's the granddaughter of Princess Grace. Um, She's one of my favorite international royals. So obviously we hate to hear this. Yeah, well, let's pivot to some good news again really quick. So we have... Our other birthday announcement this episode, Queen Mary of Denmark turned 52 on February 5th. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And in celebration, we got a really sweet photo on the Danish Royal Instagram account. It was a picture of Queen Mary with her father, and it was actually just from her recent trip to Australia this past December. It was a super casual photo. Her youngest son, Prince Vincent, actually took it. And I did put it in our notes here for you, Rachel, but Mary and her father are outside. She has her hair braided. She's got her sunglasses on her head, minimal makeup. Her dad looks so nice. Doesn't he look like someone you just want to hug? Yes, they, they both do, actually. They both look so sweet. 
Yeah, very genuine. He is in a collared shirt and sweater, and he's got a gray beard. And I just love when royals share these personal photos like that. Such a great. If that's picture. what fifty two looks like. Then sign me up. She looks fantastic. <laughs> yes, she does. Well, next up, we have a little bit of news out of Jordan. So first of all, we had a jubilee, and it was a silver jubilee to be exact. And gosh, Rachel, so much is happening in February. I, yeah, I, I remember again, remember when I said that it's going to be, we're going to have a short episode when we come back, because nothing's going to happen. I mean, obviously I'm eating my words so hard right now. <laughs> well, earlier this month, King Abdullah II celebrated 25 years on the throne. Uh, members of the royal family attended the Silver Jubilee flag raising ceremony at the palace. Um, and then shortly following that event, we did get some sad news from the family. So Princess Rajwa's father, uh, passed away just a few days ago on February 18th. He was 71. And I know listeners remember Princess Rajwa and Crown Prince Hussein's wedding that we covered on the pod last year. Some of our British royals were in attendance at that wedding, including the Prince and Princess of Wales. And Rajwa's mother and father were also in attendance at that wedding. Yeah. And that was just what, like eight months ago, nine months yeah. ago. So, um, our thoughts and prayers are with Princess Rajwa and her family. So sorry to hear that. And one more story before we close out Royals Around the World. Our Swedish Royals are in the USA this week. Did you hear that, Rachel? I actually didn't know that. And I would have tried. I mean, I'm far from California, but I would have tried to see it. Because I love me some Swedish Royals. Well, Crown Princess Victoria and her husband, Prince Daniel, are on an official visit to California, specifically San Francisco. So any listeners that do live in the area, you could possibly get a royal sighting. They're, they're there right now, actually. And um, we are going to wait and report on this visit next week since we just got so much going on and we're short on time today. Um, I think it would make more sense to let them wrap up that trip and we'll get details and then we'll chat about it very soon but did want to throw that out there they are here so awesome. if you're there maybe you'll you'll see them I think they actually shared a picture um on Instagram in front of the Golden Gate Bridge so you know I've never I've been to San Diego I've been to LA I've never been to San Francisco I need to make that happen I have not either I love that well Okay, we're going to do uh, three more weeks, listeners, of Royal Potpourri. So um, we're kind of nearing the end of the Royal Potpourri series. So for the next three weeks, we are going to investigate parts of the quote-unquote firm. So the working core of the royal family that you have heard of probably on the show before, but you might not know exactly what the firm is and you've always wondered. So the firm is kind of a multi-layered beast. And we're going to give brief definitions of some parts of it that we would not probably do an entire segment on. So welcome to Royal Potpourri, the firm part one. So first up, the Royal Collection Trust. You, we've mentioned this on the show before. You can book tours through the Royal Collection Trust to Windsor Castle, Buckingham Palace, the Palace of Holyrood House, the Queen's Gallery at both Buckingham Palace and the Palace of Holyrood House, the Royal Muse, Frogmore House, and Clarence House. There are all kinds of different exhibitions that the Royal Collection Trust puts on, many of which we've talked about on the show over the years. Pretty much whenever a cool Royal Collection Trust exhibition happens, we talk about it on the show. The Royal Collection is one of the most important art collections in the entire world. And in addition to managing the public opening of the Crown's official residences and exhibitions, the Royal Collection Trust also offers learning programs, publications, and retail products. 
So we're just going to breeze through some parts of the firm. I just think it's important to talk about this because we do talk about it on the show, but we probably never said explicitly what is the Royal Collection Trust. So Mm -hmm. the next thing is the Princess Foundation. So with a focus on creating a more sustainable world, this organization is now called the King's Foundation. This is Prince Charles or King Charles, now King Charles's organization. It is the charitable organization of Charles, formerly Prince Charles, now King Charles. In 2018, the Princess Foundation was created through a merger of the Princess Foundation for Building Community, the Prince's Regeneration Trust, the Great Steward of Scotland's Dumfries House, and the Princess School of Traditional Arts. So the organization has involved over 8,000 people in designing 100 projects that have created thousands of jobs in the UK. So I know, listeners, that you have heard us talk about the Princess Foundation. There was a scandal with the Princess Foundation a couple years ago. Now it is called the King's Foundation, which I guess I could have assumed, but I didn't officially know that, but it has changed its name. So not to be confused with the Royal Foundation, which is the charitable organization that supports the nonprofit work of the Prince and Princess of Wales. So again, the King's Foundation belongs to, you guessed it, the King. The Royal Foundation belongs to William and Kate. So their projects revolve around environmental issues, which of course we know is very important to William, early childhood development, important to Kate, mental health, important to them both, homelessness, William, emergency services, William. It was originally founded in 2009 by William and Harry as their foundation. And then Kate joined in 2011 when she married into the family. And then Megan joined in 2018 upon their respective marriages. So Harry and Megan left the foundation, if you'll remember, in June 2019. That's when we kind of started to, this is before they stepped back in January of 2020. This is when we kind of started to say, okay, what's going on here? Uh, they left in June of 2019. So the Earthshot Prize heads together the Royal Foundation Center for Early Childhood and Homewards, which we just talked about earlier in this episode, are all housed under the Royal Foundation. Again, these are things that we probably would not do an entire segment on, but I think it's important that we talk about them. And finally for today, the Duke of Edinburgh Award or the D of E. So this is a youth awards program founded in 1956 by Prince Philip, formerly the Duke of Edinburgh. The award has expanded to, this is super impressive and I didn't realize this, 144 countries. There's only, I think, 197 countries in the world. So that's pretty much like most of the world. And it recognizes young adults for completing a series of self-improvement exercises that take between one to four years to complete. They must be completed by the participant's 25th birthday. So there are around 300,000 new participants every year, an estimated 461,000 current participants in the UK at the moment. Programs are at three progressive levels, which if they're successfully completed, lead to bronze, silver, or gold Duke of Edinburgh Award. These areas include volunteering, physical, which includes sport, dance, or fitness, skills, expedition, and if you're going for the gold level of DFE, participants have to do a fifth residential section, which involves staying and working away from home for five days doing a shared activity. So to earn bronze, it takes about three to six months, silver, six to nine months, and gold, 12 to 18 months, usually at one hour per week. So the U.S. actually has the Duke of Edinburgh Award. I remember participants in the Miss Alabama pageant taking part in it when I was a Miss UAB director. So um, a lot of, I know that the Miss Alabama pageant 
did it or does it. I haven't been a pageant director in a few years, but I think the Miss America organization on the whole does it as well. So hopefully listeners, you have learned something about things that you've heard of. I'm sure you've heard of the Princess Foundation or the Duke of Edinburgh Awards, but you maybe didn't know exactly what it meant. And now you do. That is very cool. Yeah. And so we actually have two more weeks of this. That was part one. Part two will be next week. And then we'll close not just this particular segment within a segment, but we'll close all of Royal Potpourri in two weeks. So more information to come. I love it. And I, I love that we um, provided a little bit of context around where some of these projects live and kind of come out of because we hear a lot about them, but it is helpful to know, you know, where they're coming from. So yeah, I even learned some stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, talk about these on the show all the time and I didn't even know some of that. So. Well, yeah, we're learning right along with the listeners. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, we covered quite a lot in this episode and, you know, some of it, I feel like we had to kind of hit the high points and breeze through. So like we said at the top of the episode, we may circle back to some of this next week. Um, you know, if it's still something that we feel we need to go into more detail on. So Thank you so much again to our listeners for letting us have a couple weeks off to get caught up on some other obligations. And we're really excited to be back. Send us a a DM on Instagram if you have thoughts or questions about anything we chatted about today or want us to go in more detail in next time. And um, if you have other questions or you're not on Instagram and you want to reach out a different way, you can find us on Gmail at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And um, have a great week, everyone. We'll, We'll see you next time. And thank you for tuning in to Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.